This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 11, Your 401k. How's that working out for you? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, uh, where we are going to be exploring in depth some of the uh, outcomes of the 401k now that we're a few decades in. Let's see how it's been working out for us. So welcome, Katrina, to our studio today. Hi there. And Holly Bach. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. All right. Uh, Today, we are looking at a subject that's bothering millions of Americans, uh, the 401k and all of its kissing cousins. Uh, It was never meant to be the primary vehicle for retirement for Americans. We've discussed that. It was really uh, sort of an add-on to the pension uh, back in the day. And the quirk in the 401k is that the closer you get to retirement, the more money you're likely to lose if the stock market goes down. Okay, so if I've got, if I'm 21 years old and I've got five grand in a 401k and the market takes half of that, oh great, I lost 2,500 bucks. Maybe I've got time to make that up. If I'm 61 years old and I've got $500,000 in a 401k and the stock market takes another 50% dive, now I've got to work another decade or more just to make up for that. So it matters. The closer you get to retirement, the riskier that 401k is. And you, uh, you know, it was always meant to supplement that pension and that social security that was going to be there for you no matter what. So why would you put your money into a vehicle that's risky? Uh, it's a big experiment that we're all kind of being... Uh, uh, you know, entered into. I was thinking about a, um, a recent science experiment where uh, a bunch of insider scientists sat in a room uh, and it was a very plain vanilla room and, and they stood up every time a bell went off. There's no reason for why they stood up, but they just did. And then they brought in an outsider, a, you know, a young uh, lady was brought in, sat down in the room. She wasn't told anything or explained anything. But the bell went off and everyone else in the room stood up. And so did she until uh, she got into the pattern. And then those uh, insiders, those in on the joke, started leaving the room one by one until it was just that one lone young lady who was still just standing up whenever the bell went off by herself. She didn't know why. No one ever told her why. It was a grand experiment that she was being played on, right? So uh, similarly, we're just now seeing the realities of that risk. Workers weren't even eligible for the 401k. Uh, back before 1981. And we've already seen that there's been plenty of people who uh, think it's been around since day six of creation, right? (laughs) Uh, So people have been successfully retiring without the 401k for decades. You know, think of your parents and grandparents. And now that we're using the 401k as some sort of mainstay in our retirement plans, are we really better off or are we in a kind of retirement crisis? Do you want to be the government's guinea pigs? No, and I have I have one word that is four letters and starts with the letter F. A four-letter word starting with the letter F. Fees. Oh, okay. <laughs> compounding fees. And in this case, the, the emphasis is on the part of the word compounding, pounding, because <laughs> they are numerous. So as we talked about in the last episode, on average, 17 of these fees. So I'm going to do a little fine print read here for you. So we've got plan fees, wrap fees, soft dollar costs, account charges, revenue sharing, expense ratios, redemption fees, deferred sales charges. There are many, many fees allowed in this fine print. 
They range from just under 1% to 3%. These are very costly plans. I mean, Holly, you were mentioning last episode, divorce fee. That one's not compounding, thankfully. <laughs> it's a one-timer. But the, the compounding nature of these are um, they're kind of sneaky because if you don't understand compound interest, you're going to pay it, right? So the, the 1% fee that comes in seems like no big deal, right? If you're doing basic math in your mind from elementary school without the sophistication of what compounding looks like, you think, oh, sure, you can have 1%. I'll keep 99 that's just the basic human math where we don't try at all and we just kind of go, that makes sense. Psychologically, that feels okay to me. But when you compound the 1%, what do you actually walk away with? It's not 99%. So the question is, what is that real number in the sophisticated math? Well, according to the Department of Labor, fees of only 1% per year can slash the value of a savings by 28% over the next 35 years. Whoa! That's, so that's significant. That's a third uh, what, for wow. So that's a dollar for every three dollars that I earned, taken away. A third of my, roughly a third of my savings is taken away by a one percent a year fee. Right. And if you look at it, it's not just one percent. On average, it's between one and three percent. So if you're compounding the three <laughs> percent, you're looking at over half. You know, more like fifty percent of the savings is eaten up by fees sometimes more than 50%. Right. So you work year after year after year after year and save year after year after year for retirement. And you walk away with maybe half, maybe a third of what you actually intended on walking with because of the fees. Wow. Yeah, and so the Department of Labor found out that you know 1% a year could take away 28%. But in reality, you know, the average person really probably is closer to 2%, 1.9%. So the story is even a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. Over 50% of your savings. All, every other dollar goes to the investment guy or gal. And then we're going to have to walk by Uncle Sam before we can get that money out of the 401k too. So don't forget about that. Uh, all right. So I think you guys had some stories about all this. All these numbers and charts and graphs are nice. But how does this actually work in the real world? Katrina, you have a, actually, I remember this. You had a 401k at an old job. Tell us about that story. Technically, it's a 403b because it was an educational All right. institution. Yeah. Which so is, what's the difference between a 401k and a 403b, Holly? Yeah, so there really isn't that much of a difference at all as far as how they're treated and how they act. Um, really, it just has to do with the institution that the that the account is through. So, um, you know, uh, 403Bs are common in education, healthcare, things like that, and 401Ks are, are more the mainstay. Um, there's even other ones out there, too, for, for uh, government employees. They have their own name for it, but it's all the same thing. Nonprofits and 457s would be another kissing cousin to the 401K. Okay, Katrina, tell us that story. Well, another gotcha that we're not even discussing is sort of the employer boundaries that they put on these plans. So many, many employees have to go through vesting in order to even receive the match long term. So I was working at a, uh, a, higher inst- a, high- a school of higher education. And at the school, I was doing all sorts of things and working my tail off, working very, very hard. <laughs> and as I, I came to a close, I needed to leave just prior to three years of employment. I, I think it was like two years and 10 months. And I was naive and young, and I didn't really understand, you know, what was going on. I was just told, this is what you do, and I get a match, yay, you know. So I left, and they're like, oh, yeah, remember that match we quote unquote gave you? No, you don't get that anymore. We're going to retroactively take that back because you didn't vest for three years. So instantly I saw my accounts cut. 
by half. Um, and then on top of that, I had other issues pop up that I had to pay taxes on. But if you look at it, it's, str it's stunning how not only do you get whacked through the process of quote unquote saving, but you within the, the rules of the actual corporation you're working in, um, they have secondary dynamics that make it very difficult to actually receive any perceived benefit that you might get. So I walked away with half and I learned a lesson there. Um, I learned that there's a lot of levers and pulleys behind the scenes that I may not know or understand and that they can change those pulleys and levers and whenever they feel like it for their own benefit without really alerting me or telling me what's going on and that that fine print can get much longer. Um, and so there's a lot of surprises and not pleasant surprises. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can kind of see it like a vesting. Think of a vest. Think of a straight jacket. You know, it's <laughs> kind of wrapping you up and keeping you trapped where you are. Uh, you know, those vesting schedules can go out as far as seven years. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Holly, what about you? You've got to bring this down to real life with us. Um, you and, and Jacob had a pretty interesting encounter with a 401k. Yeah, so really we just kind of want to talk about some of these things because we we realize in our conversations with, you know, clients every day that there, there are certain things people don't necessarily always think about or even know about in some cases when it comes to their 401k. And so I think it can be very easy to get that statement in the mail and see a dollar amount, see a number and just think, oh yeah, that's how much money I have. This is how much I've saved for retirement. Um, but the reality is we talked about you're actually sixth sixth in line for that money. Um, but even in addition to that, there's any number of different things that could cause that number to go way below what you're expecting. So when you look at your 401k statement, it's, it's deceiving, honestly. Um, because people look at those amounts, then they have certain expectations of what they think they'll be able to do in retirement. And honestly, it's just not in line with reality based upon the fine print and different things like that. And so uh, we've already talked about taxes, you know, the government's going to be taking their portion. And another thing that I um, have found people aren't always knowledgeable on is the vesting schedule, um, which I think can be a huge surprise for people when, you know, all they're trying to do is find a new job and better themselves in this new position. And then boom, their retirement just took a hit because of that, um, which is which is crazy if you think about it. And so, yes, um, you know, my husband, Jacob and I, we had a very similar experience with our with a 401k. Um, he'd started a 401k with an employer um, you know, previous to us actually being married. And so he had this, you know, account that didn't have much in it, but, you know, you look at that dollar amount and you're like, oh, cool. Like I've got this money. Um, and he had this similar story where ended up finding a new job, you know, decided it was in the best interest of him and our family for him to switch careers, you know, like, um, sorry, our bad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we, you know, start th looking at the transitions. They send us a letter like, congratulations, you know, the 401k is enough that you can keep it with us if you'd like, or you can take it with. And um, we started looking though at the different, you know, factors and um, lo and behold, you know, there was a vesting schedule with this employer and we weren't going to get that full amount. And we, you know, we're going to get a much lower amount than we were expecting because that um, employer match, we weren't going to get 100%. Um, and so vesting schedules are a thing. <laughs> They're real <laughs> yeah. and they affect how much money you actually have in your 401k. Um, so, you know, the, the vesting schedules do vary from company to company. Some companies do have, you know, 100% immediate vesting. It's out there. Um, but 
it's also kind of rare. Um, in more cases than not, you know, they're trying to use the 401k not only as a benefit to you, but then also as a retention piece for them. So they're trying to keep you for a certain number of years. So it's very common to see vesting schedules that go out five years, 10 years, where they're gonna slowly give you a higher and higher percentage of that match. So yes, they may be saying that they're giving you 3%, 5% match on your money starting on day one, but they're not going to actually formally release those dollars to you until you've um, reached these different you know, year employment markers to get the higher um, amount and actually ultimately, hopefully, you know, get 100% of it. Um, so I just remember there was just this really striking moment where I was sitting down um, and we hadn't contributed to this 401k. It was just kind of sitting there. We hadn't contributed to it in a while, but you know, it was still a reality. And, and I remember um, my husband was sitting there and he's looking at it and he he's kind of gave me this look and he's just like, how can they like show this number? You know, how, how can yeah, they tell right. me this is how much I have when, because we started doing the math because we we're just like, well, maybe we'll just get out of it, you know, just pay the taxes. And it was like, we were going to get, um, like, there was like 40% of the dollar amount that was shown on the statement between the taxes and the fees, the penalty and the vesting, like all mm-hmm. of those things together. Because, um, you know, he's not 59 and a half yet. So mm-hmm. we we're looking at the extra 10% penalty. And, he, you know, he, he just kind of looked at me and was just like, how how can they get away with telling me this is how much money I have when in reality I have 40% of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was just a very striking moment. And I was like, yes, this is why um, 401k is not what we're, we're banking on for our retirement. So yeah. uh, not only are we boxed in from uh, a vesting schedule, golden handcuffs kind of standpoint, but you're also controlled on what you can put in of your own money, not just getting the money that your employer is going to vest you with, but controlling you on what you're going to be able to put in. Not to mention that, now let's kind of layer it on top, this nice seven-layer chocolate cake. Uh, what you can take out is also going to be controlled. Uh, we can talk about required minimum distributions. Uh, in, in essence, this 401k and IRAs and 403Bs, 457 plans, TSPs, all of them are similar, similarly designed to paint you into a corner. And I guess the underlying theme that I'm always interested to hear from my clients is, do you want to be painted into that corner? Do you want to have no choice when you get out, uh, what you can get out of your plan or what you can put into it? So for example, what you can put into it, the contribution maximums for this year, and it'll change probably every year, but as of 2017, when we're recording this, 18,000 bucks a year is how much can go into a 401k if you're under age 50. Now the government's super nice and gives us an extra six grand or so, up to $24,000 a year can be put into a 401k uh, if you're age 50 or older. So I guess that's that's gonna be a, a, you know an incredible pay raise in your retirement years to save an extra six grand when you're already 50 years old. Uh, but is $18,000 a year, even $24,000 a year when you're over 50, is that really going to be enough? Uh, is that going to be the only place you're going to have some money saved? Uh, we heard Paul Nick last time talk about how you need about, to use uh, real economics, we need about a 2.8% withdrawal rate. And if you're going to live on 100000 bucks a year of retirement, now remember inflation is going to keep up with that 100000 But if you needed hundred k a year for your retirement, you're going to need about... $5 million in your 401k. Now do the math on that. Could you even get $5 million into a retirement plan if you were putting in the max contribution of 18,000 bucks a year for 30 years? I don't know. 
I don't think so. Absolutely not. And I think that's one of the most striking things to me uh, when I sit down with clients and we're talking about what they're doing for retirement and and their their strategy is, you know, 401k all the way. Um, And you just kind of have to do the math and ask yourself. And and most people aren't even maxing out. You know, most people are are, they're doing whatever is up to the match for the the most part, which is just a couple thousand dollars. Um, But even if you are maxing out at 18,000, it's just not going to add up. It's not going to be enough without, uh, you know, obviously some un- completely unrealistic, unfeasible high rate of return, which we right. already know is not going to happen due to fees yeah. <laughs> and other, you know, various hidden costs. And so sometimes I just kind of have to wonder, you know, yes, maybe the 401k is one strategy. And even if you're not, a, you know, you should still be doing something else besides right. the 401k, just based on that math alone. So we've got bank on yourself policies as a one example of where else you could put your money that won't paint you into a corner. We've got clients, Holly, I know you've got clients that are putting in way more than $18,000 a year into their 401, into their bank on yourself policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's, it's taxed more similarly to a Roth IRA in terms of being able to access that money, even the gains without any taxes due. That's something that the 401k cannot do. There's no painting you into a corner when you put money into something that you control. So mm-hmm. one more thing that really dings us, I think, is the penalties. So mm-hmm. there's, there's uh, you know, we're being painted in the corner on our employer's um, vesting schedule. We're being painted into a corner in terms of how much we can put in of our own money into these things. But what about penalties, Katrina? Yeah, so when you're looking at um, withdrawing or trying to get access to this money, a lot of times if you want to pull a loan from the 401k, you're going to get dinged. Uh, that's a usually 10% on top of everything. Uh, you have RMDs. So when you get to a certain age, the government says, hey, guys, it's time for you to take your money out. And it's not an option. You do not have control in this situation. You will take this money out. And if you don't, we're going to slap your hand with penalties. So you have to follow the rules of the plan, which are shifting sand, frankly. Um, at this point, RMD conversations, you know, if you're approaching 59 and a half, you probably need to call your financial advisor like yesterday. Right. Because if you've got a 401k, that needs attention. Um, If you hold this 401k and you're like, no, I I really don't want to take a required minimum distribution and you're at 70 and a half, the government will charge you a 50% penalty just to hold the thing. 50%. Whoa. 50%. 50%, 50%, 50%. Wow. So... Holly, um, let's just kind of walk this out for a minute. So a, a guy who's 20 years old, let's, can you walk us through that? Um, you know, a guy who starts his 401k when he's 20 and carries it all the way till his grave. Well, yeah. And so when you have a 401k, there's a reality, again, that most people aren't aware of. And that reality is that when you have a 401k, you have that plan, your money is going to be in some kind of penalty zone for 85% of the time that you have it. If, if you started at age 20, you know, and, and hold it until um, kind of a, you know, later on in life, you know, maybe normal life expectancy um, in the 90s. So if you have a 401k for that duration of your, of your time, there's only 11 years in your entire life that your money can be accessed and you can do whatever you want with it without penalty. 
Still taxes do. But yeah, still taxes on yeah. the harvest. But penalty yeah. penalties uh, abound, except for those magical eleven years. And what years are those? Yeah, so that is from the age that you turn fifty nine and a half, which is the one most people know about. Most, well, not even everyone, but a lot of people can can get that one. Um, they know that once it's fifty nine, once they're fifty nine and a half, they can tap into their four hundred one k. Um, but what most people don't always think about or realize is the tail end and the fact that there's actually an end to this penalty-free zone that they you know, came into at 59 and a half, and that happens at 70 and a half. And most people know the word RMDs, but don't necessarily know the implications and, and how it actually works. And so at 70 and a half, there's going to be this requirement from the government because they've been allowing you to defer your taxes this entire time. And they say, hey, well, we got to get our money eventually. And they decided eventually was 70 and a half. And so they say at 70 and a half, there's a certain amount of your qualified money, you know, from your 401k, which you know, falls under that, um, that you have to take out each and every year. And if you don't, you will be penalized at 50% of what you should have taken out. Wow. And so that's even bigger than the first one. So if I needed to take out 10 grand for whatever reason, because that's what their actuarial science says I need to take out and I forget to or just don't because I'm trying to leave it to my kids or grandkids, which is what most people are trying to do at this stage in the game with when they've got enough money in those accounts. If I should have taken out 10,000 but didn't, you're saying the government will zap me for Mm $5,000? Wow. Yeah. Every year. Exactly. And so, you know, some people actually do choose to just pay that, you know, because they say, oh, well, $5,000 hit is um, less than if I would have taken a full 10000 out when they're trying to use it as a legacy um, to their to their family. But honestly, it's just unrealistic in the long run. How many years are you going to pay that for? Yeah. So, I mean, if we're coming in fresh and we get the binder, say we're an alien coming, coming in from outer space into the HR office, we sit down and, and they say, um, Miss Alien, would you like to start a 401k plan with our company? <laughs> if they knew what you've learned over the last three episodes, what would you tell this little alien to do? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Would they like to be in a penalty zone with their retirement plan for 85% of their life? How about getting zapped by fees instead of laser beams and taxes instead of, you know, alien ooze? Would they like to give the government a higher return than themselves? These are good questions. And I hope you all take this information and don't go into um, an addicted pit with it because it's pretty depressing. Um, you know, please don't go drink or eat a pint of ice cream, but just take a deep <laughs> Unless breath. Unless you're inviting us over. Take a deep breath <laughs> and find someone who can work with you in your situation so that you can get some traction with your money without penalty. It's very important. Um, I, I do want to tell a story real quick about my mom. She has um, she switched positions. She left a position that she was at to start a new company. And so one of the places that she took some cash so that she could start this business was her 401k. And when she took out that money, she got whacked with a 10% tax. And she was already in a bad place because she was moving homes and she was changing jobs and all these things happened. Um, and, and she was shocked at how little she was able to get out of the 401k. Uh, and if you talk to anybody in your family, you'll, you'll hear this story if they're willing to share it. Um, th- these 401ks are not liquid. They're just not. And you should be aware of that because you need a fund that's safe, that's liquid, and that you can get access to without getting your hands slapped every time you need to make a big purchase. This Life happens. You know, Don't put yourself in the penalty box. 
Mm -hmm. If you go back to episode four, you can hear a bit more about what what we mean by liquid and what we mean by, um, you know, where you put your money makes it do different things. I think that's an important thing to kind of consider when you're looking at the 401k and the IRA and the SEP and the KEO and the 457 and all government, you know, sponsored retirement plans that are qualified monies tax deferred are typically going to be uh, riddled with similar problems. So as we wrap up, what do we do with this info? Again, you don't have to be painted into a corner. Uh, again, go back to episode four. There's tons of places you can stash your cash. We can help you look at this. Maybe it's time to diversify where you keep some of your savings for the future. Fine to keep some money in a 401k. There's no problem there. But why not diversify it? Put a little bit somewhere where you know it's going to be Uh, So any final thoughts, guys, as we wrap up this episode and this short series on the 401k? Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to reference too far back, um, but I mean, it comes back to that financial pyramid we were talking about. And it's all the reasons we've been discussing over the last three episodes why um, the 401k, you know, shouldn't be wiped off the map completely. You know, it shouldn't be, you know, strike it dead, you know, no longer exists. It's just it has to exist within that top portion of the pyramid. It has to be in that very top section um, of your financial situation. You have to have built that Uh, safe and liquid foundation first um, before really you should start looking at the 401k due to all the different factors that we that we've just talked about Um, so i mean that would that'd be the only thing i i'd add all right so as we wrap up give us a call uh, or you can go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com and you can click request a meeting and uh, we'll be happy to review all the uh steps that you'd like to take in your financial portfolio. So thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.